Stephen Blandino, and welcome to another episode of Leader Fluent. Today, I'm excited to talk to you about eight ingredients of good decision-making. Leadership and decision-making go hand-in-hand. You know that. You're making decisions all the time, and some of those decisions you make as a leader are downright difficult. In fact, in our constantly changing culture, one of the things leaders are dealing with is decision fatigue. So in this episode of Leader Fluent, I'll share eight ingredients that help us make better decisions in our organization. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Leaders make countless decisions in their organizations. You know that those decisions are sometimes very wide in their spectrum as well, from easy to difficult, from small to big, from simple to complex. For example, some of the leaders that maybe you're making right now are decisions about strategic planning or hiring decisions or funding decisions or culture decisions or maybe decisions where you're navigating a conflict or even decisions where you're leading a complex change. There are hundreds of decisions that leaders make. So how do leaders consistently make good decisions? Well, today I want to share with you eight decision-making ingredients along with a simple question to go with each one. So let's get started. The first ingredient to good decision-making is God. In other words, you want to ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying? You see, one of the temptations in leadership is to restrict our decision-making inputs to the latest research or maybe, you know, the newest book that you're reading or your closest friends and, and even the most respected leaders in our field. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. In fact, we're going to talk about some of those in just a moment. But, but we have to begin our decision-making process with God. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that. God makes a promise to give his wisdom if we simply ask. And notice, lacking wisdom isn't like a sin or anything. It's, it's, it's a reality of life. It's a condition we find ourselves in when we need to make important decisions. And the good news is that God has an endless supply of wisdom. In fact, I believe the most helpful prayer that a leader can pray is, God, fill me with the wisdom and knowledge of your perfect will and give me the courage to pursue it. So when it comes to important decisions, I want to encourage you to start by inviting the Holy Spirit to direct you and to speak to you. Number two, DNA. Does the decision violate our identity? You see, every church and every organization has a unique DNA. And in general, that DNA is made up of four things. Vision, where you're going. Mission, why you exist. Values, what's most important and culture, how we do things. But for your DNA to positively impact your church or organization, you have to integrate that DNA into your decision-making. If you don't, you'll start to experience sideways energy. You'll begin to go in a direction that you never intended to go, and ultimately the organization will become what you never intended it to be. Because again, decisions influence all of those things when in fact those things should be what becomes the grid for decision making. So use vision, mission, values, and culture as a grid when you're making decisions. Number three, research. 
Have I done my homework? In-depth decision-making requires in-depth research. In fact, Jesus once said, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So, the, the lesson that Jesus is giving us is clear. Good decisions require proper research and planning. So, so let, me give you a, let me give you a personal example. About four years ago, we embarked on a major building renovation at Seven City Church, where I pastor. And, and we were taking a, a building that was probably somewhere between 80 and 100 years old and completely renovating the main floor to enlarge our auditorium and our kids' space and our lobby and our offices. But in doing this project, we knew... Um, we, we knew everything was going to have to come up to city code. So this is one of those things that, you know, we didn't want to venture into. For one, it was a huge project and it was an expensive project. But we also knew this has got to be done in a way that's going to meet all of these different codes uh, that, that exist in our city. And so the first thing we did was our research to hire an architect to design an optimal space and to ensure that everything was code compliant. And then when it came to hiring a general contractor, we invited three different contractors to meet with our board and to present their plan and what it would uh, cost and, and what it would take to work alongside of them and how all that would unfold. And again, we, we did our research before we chose the contractor that we felt was right for the project. And then when it came to securing funding, we shopped nine different financial institutions until we found the one that made the best offer for our project. All of this was research that went into making the best decisions on the renovation. And today, two years after the project has been completed, I'm convinced we made the right decision on our architect, the right decision on our general contractor, and the right decision on our financial institution. But had we not done in-depth research, we could have been in a mess because of how uh, critical this was and because of how old this facility was. We didn't know what we were going to find when you start knocking down walls and when you begin making all these changes. The research helped prepare us and helped us make the best decisions. So when you're making decisions, especially really big and expensive decisions, do your homework, do the necessary research. Number four, experience. What does past experience reveal? One of the greatest informers of future decisions is past experience. In fact, in Job chapter 12, verse 12, it says, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? You see, the, the longer you live, the longer I live, the more perspective you glean and the more insight you, co you, co you uncover. So, so when, when you're making decisions for your church or for your organization, whatever it is that you're leading, I think it's important to pay attention to three types of experience. The, the first would be personal experience. And this is the experience that you personally bring to the table. In fact, this is the type of experience that's the easiest to pay attention to because it's already built into your thinking. So it usually consists of your failures and your successes, your habits, your education, the things that you're proficient at, your, your various observations that you make. It's out of this pool of personal experience that you're able to draw out practical insights to make better decisions. 
The second type of experience is historical experience. This experience draws on your church or organization's historical trends, on your traditions, metrics, behaviors, things like that, because the, the purpose of historical experience isn't so much to define a future strategy as much as it is to understand how the church or organization might respond to future decisions. When you understand your history, it gives you a snapshot of what you may be looking at as you're moving into this decision. Okay, there's one more type, and that is external experience. External experience comes from leaders outside of your church. You might look at a coach or a consultant or a mentor or another experienced leader in your field to provide fresh input before making an important decision. I love something that Andy Stanley says, and that is, he said, experience alone doesn't make you better at anything. By itself, experience has the potential to leave you in a rut. Evaluated experience is what enables you to improve your performance. So, reflect on experience. Number five, advice. Have I sought the wisdom of others? I love the book of Proverbs, and in the book of Proverbs, there's some really practical insights on the importance of gaining and gleaning advice from others. In fact, let, let me take just a moment to share three verses that, that I, I really love that reveal three ways that we can glean wise advice. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, gleaning wise advice begins by choosing to associate with wise people. And then in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, it says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So the idea here is that, that your willingness to actively listen to wise people will determine how much wisdom you ultimately glean. And then one more, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. In other words, wisdom comes to those who are teachable. I love something that my friend Steve Moore uh, says. He, he wrote this once. He said, in a chemical laboratory, two elements may be mixed together with no resulting change. A catalyst is needed to trigger a reaction. Humility is a catalyst for learning because it produces teachability. It is impossible to learn without being teachable. So, when it comes to advice, are you getting around wise people? Are you really listening to what they have to say? Are you, are you taking that advice personally and being teachable? The key whenever it comes to advice is both the person and your posture. The person is who you listen to, and your posture is your willingness to learn from them. Number six, intuition. What is my gut telling me? Now, intuition is, I think, the most nuanced part of decision-making. I love something John Maxwell says. He says that, uh, that the things we're most intuitive in are, are generally in the areas where we have the greatest giftedness. In other words, if you're a strong leader, you'll be most intuitive in the area of leadership. If you're a great singer, you'll be most intuitive in the area of singing. If you're a great plumber, you'll be most intuitive in the area of your craft. 
So wherever you have the most natural ability is the same place you will have the most natural intuition. So when it comes to decision-making, listen to your gut, especially in those areas where you have the greatest giftedness. And then I would also say, listen to those nudges from the Holy Spirit, because sometimes you'll receive a nudge from the Spirit to go one direction over another. Pay attention to those nudges. Number seven, influence. Are my key leaders receptive and supportive? There's an old proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Well, in leadership, the key is to make sure your influencers, whether it's your board, your staff, you know, key leaders, to make sure that they are with you in the decision-making process. John Maxwell says it like this, people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. You see, you can have the greatest ideas in the world, even ideas that God has birthed inside of you, but if your leaders aren't on board, you're going to have a hard time moving forward. So how do you get your leaders, your influencers, to buy into a decision? Well, for one, include leaders in your decision-making process. Now, this doesn't mean that, that you need to you know, necessarily be a consensus leader, but, but you have to remember that, that people are down on what they're not up on. Another idea is to test a decision privately before declaring it publicly. So, so bounce your idea off of a few trusted people who might, might be most affected by your decision. And then one final thought, and that is to communicate the decision in layers. So think about, think about the various layers as a concentric circle, and um, those circles represent your staff, your board, your key leaders, your volunteers, your attendees. And, and so you're going to begin communicating with your inner circle, with your staff and, and with your board. And then you're going, to, you're going to continue to move out until each layer in the organization has been communicated to. This process will create greater buy-in with your leaders and with your key influencers. Number eight, timing. Is the timing right? Timing is not one-dimensional in its application. It's not like, well, there's a right time or there's a wrong time, and, and that's all you've got to choose from. When you're making a decision, you have to ask three timing questions. Is the timing right for the leader? Is the timing right for the team? And is their timing right for the church or the organization? If it's the timing for the decision that, that uh, you don't really take into consideration, it's possible it could be the right decision, but it falls apart because you're, you're doing it at the wrong time. It, it's the timing of the decision that matters so much. And so it's got to be right for all three, the leader, the team, the church. We, otherwise, it's possible that you're, gonna, you're just not going to get maximum impact. So those are the eight ingredients to help you make good decisions. Now, let me wrap up by pointing out what happens when one of these ingredients is missing. Without God, decisions will lack supernatural wisdom. Without DNA, decisions can lack organizational consistency. Without research, decisions can lack depth. Without experience, decisions can lack maturity. Without advice, decisions can lack perspective. Without intuition, 
decisions can lack peace. Without influencers, decision, decisions can lack buy-in. And without timing, decisions can lack impact. The decisions you make each day will ripple through your entire church or organization. And you, your teams, and your entire organization will pay the price or reap the rewards of every decision that you make. Well, I hope today's lesson helps you make better decisions. So why not take a big decision that you're facing right now and run it through the filter of these eight ingredients. And as you do, I believe you'll be able to think clearer and choose wisely. Well, thanks again for listening. And let me just encourage you to stop by stephenblandino.com. There's some great leadership articles and resources and free downloads and information about coaching opportunities. And if you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do so today on iTunes or Pandora, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. Thanks again for listening and thanks for your ratings and reviews. I'll see you next month for another edition of the Leader Fluent Podcast.